This is a GRDC podcast. Snails are one of those pests that can't be controlled by any one tool. But a significant amount of research is happening across the country to give growers effective control options. I'm Hilary Sims, and in this podcast, we hear about the latest snail management research findings and advice from Saudi entomologist Helen Brody. We caught up just after her presentation at the 2020 Adelaide Grains Research Update event. As Helen explains, effective snail management needs a year-round approach that combines baiting programs with cultural methods like bashing and burning. So year-round means that the farmers can't really ever take their foot off the accelerator when it comes to managing snails. During summer period when it might be a little bit quieter as far as crop management goes, you've got opportunities for bashing, so removing the stubble refuges that the snails will actually use to get away from the hot ground and this forces the snails onto the ground. Um, burning's also an option, assuming you can have some days that don't have too much high fire risks. However, it does obviously come with uh, downsides as far as uh, soil damage. Baiting uh, really comes into the fore um, when autumn occurs and we start getting a bit of rain, which activates snails and they start feeding on the bait. So those are all things that work primarily before the actual crop is growing too far. And then after the crop is growing, you really have to look only at uh, post-harvest cleaning methods. And the research you're doing is based in South Australia, but is there a national context to the research findings? Uh, Indeed, indeed. Uh, Some of the work we've been doing has actually been a national project as well. So we have actually been monitoring snails with cameras both here and in West Australia with assistance from our colleagues over there. And so it it is information that is relevant to different areas. But the findings that we come up with will be able to be applied uh, nationally as well um, when when we have a better understanding of the climate conditions in those areas. And the first topic of your presentation was about baiting products and rates. What are the current baiting options on the market and what are their limitations in your view? At the moment, most of our baits primarily fall into two active ingredient categories, being uh, metaldehyde or iron EDTA, also known as iron chelate. There is a third product with methiocarb as an active ingredient. However, it does have a lot of off-target effects and it's becoming less popular. So these are our active ingredients to work with. There, there are some limitations with these products and we do find that certain environmental conditions will degrade them, um, perhaps in a surprising manner for some people. And tell me a little bit about the importance of pellet densities based on your research. Because uh, the bait products on the market at the moment don't tend to have a great level of attractiveness to the snails, um, what that means is you kind of need to put the pellet where you think the snail's going to be rather than expect the snail to go to the pellet. So this means that Um, during a spreading program you need to make sure your baits are spread evenly across the ground and as a minimum you want to work towards um, 30 baits per square metre. This may mean you need to do a second application in order to stick with your um, label rates or your products. Um, You also need to um, be aware that the the spreading application may actually underdose areas of your paddock so check where your spreader is actually putting the baits on the ground and make sure you're not leaving underdosed strips because the snails aren't going to move to the baits. You need enough baits on there for the snails to bump into them and you also need enough baits there to feed the snails if you have really high snail densities so you may need to do a second application just to cope with high numbers of snails. And Saidi did a field trial in 2014-2015 on bait rates. Tell me a little bit about the aim of that trial. 
That was really comparing the snail densities with bait rates. Some main findings we came out across that was that even at with label rates, at, in none of our experiments did we actually come across 100% mortality from that. So that tells us that um, even under our ideal conditions, we weren't able to get 100% mortality. So we may need to um, understand that there's a ceiling that we can reach with baits that we may never be able to actually get 100% mortality um, and take that into account. What we also, um, as I mentioned before, found is that where we had higher snail densities, you you needed um, to have repeat applications of the product in order to provide enough pellets to for all those snails. And in terms of bait timings, what are the main factors that determine optimal bait timing? The timing of baits can be quite tricky. It's a matter of getting the baits out there after the snails become active. Um, So this is usually when you first start getting some rainfall occurring in early autumn or late summer. But you also need to get that bait in within a few weeks of those rainfall events because otherwise the snails will start breeding and it's much harder to control the juvenile snails. So you may be looking at only a two-week window to get that first main bait out there. Um, So some... Some people may be tempted to put a bait out in late spring as a last-ditch effort to control snails before harvest. Um, But our our work has shown that um, snails' actual biological susceptibility to these baits and the active ingredients changes across the seasons. Um, And they're, they're most susceptible to dying from the active ingredient in that autumn and early winter period. So, um getting that bait out early rather than leaving it to later is is not only improving the chances the snail will die from it but also because you've got a, a simpler field environment and you haven't got such large plants you've got a higher chance that the snails will actually find the bait earlier in the season. There's been a few research trials on this topic um, tell me a little bit about the research that you've done and the findings through that. We're also looking at um, the bait timing in the sense of um, getting a better handle on when snails are actually active. Um, at the moment, f- f- growers are just kind of going off their gut feel and what they see in the paddock. Um, but what we want to understand is the very precise um, environmental conditions that mean snails will become active. And this may actually open up the opportunity to be able to do some baiting earlier in the year than than is usual. Um, So we have a lot of um, monitoring equipment running out in paddocks. We're looking at um, snail behaviour with time-lapse cameras and then we're combining that imagery information with um, microclimate sensors. So looking at um, amount of uh, relative humidity, soil temperatures, leaf wetness. So all these factors that may be influencing whether a snail is active and moving. Uh, we're actually combining that data with the information from our videos and this is actually... Um, hopefully in the next few months, we'll be giving us a really good um, precise guidelines as to what conditions mean snails will move and therefore are more likely to feed on bait. And are there any indications so far of what you're finding in that research? It's a little hard to say at this time because we've had to gather a good few years of data from all these sites. It's kind of one of these projects where we've had to save it all up and then hope at the very end we get some really good results. So um, it's one of these things where we don't have a lot of um, staggered results along the way. Um, But we have been doing, um, along with this, we've been looking at the reproductive organs of the snails. And this has actually um, shown us um, 
along with this other information, we can understand the breeding patterns of these snails and, and this gives us a good understanding of when they're actually going to start breeding relative to the rainfall events as well. Tell me about the, the growing interest in this opportunistic baiting as you sort of term it. Yeah, it, it kind of comes and goes from one year to the next, depending on what the, what the summer rainfall pattern does. Um, some growers are very strict and only do their baiting at a certain time of the year. Um, others may be looking at um, times when there's, there's a bit more rainfall coming through um, in odd showers through earlier summer. And so... Um, so obviously um, come sowing time you want to be focusing on sowing rather than baiting so if you can do some baiting earlier on in the in the year um, and that the snails are not only active but they're actually um, dying from that bait uh, is very good but we also are aware um, that the susceptibility to actually dying from the bait tends to increase in autumn um, and is, is not at its greatest um, in the middle of summer so um, it's that fine line between um, sort of late summer and early autumn. Um, but obviously the, the sooner it can get done, the, the less snails you have and potentially more opportunities for follow-up baitings as well. Given the growing interest in baiting opportunistically during late summer, tell me a little bit about the research that you're doing in this space. It's a combination of work we've done over the previous years and we have assessed different environmental impacts on the bait. Um, one thing we did test was um, there was a theory at the time that the UV light from sunlight was actually impacting baits on the ground. Um, however, we found that ultraviolet light did not affect baits in any way. But we did wonder what else might be reducing bait efficacy in, in the field um, with sunlight. So what we did find is that um, heat um, exposure to baits can really degrade the active ingredients, particularly in um, the metaldehyde-based products. Um, this is when the temperatures get right up in that high range, as you'd experience on a hot soil surface in the summer. Um, but it's also something to keep in mind that your baits um, may be exposed to very high temperatures if you store them in the top of a shed um, over summer as well. And so the active ingredient is actually being lost from that product. Some, um, on the other end of that, we should think about um, how much rainfall comes, comes through after you put bait down. We, we want some rainfall and some moisture for the snails to be active. But if we have too much rainfall, some of the baits will actually sort of disintegrate um, a little bit and we may have some leaching of the active ingredient. So we really need to take care that we're not going to be um, compromising the baits in these environments. Where do you see the future of snail research going? Snail research has got so many different angles to it at the moment. And I'm, I'm with Saadi and we're working on portions of it. And yet there's institutes and organisations and departments around the country that are working on all sorts of different angles. Um, so it's it's not just a one-man band, it's it's a lot of people working together um, and, and interacting with showing what they've found. So um, some of the areas we, we see um, potentially our work moving forward, um, we're still going to be maintaining that sort of holistic systems approach. We don't believe there's ever going to be a silver bullet. We're still going to have to have multiple systems and tools in, in the process. And we always, where possible, want to keep the control solutions and the management at the farm, before the farm gate. So the actual benefits are coming back to the growers rather than um, further down the line. So we think some things along the lines of, say, machine vision, um, more targeted snail management um, based on where the snails are and what their populations are. Um, also some engineering solutions, um, particularly around the grain harvest and cleaning. Um, and this is 
particularly an issue with the conical snail. They seem to defy a lot of our attempts at, at separating them from the grain. Um, and, and even going back to grassroots biology and looking at some of the ecology and biology, particularly of the conical snails, to see if there's some kind of weakness we can exploit to manage them a little bit better. Um, so the other area that we are looking into, and, and there's been work done both in Australia and internationally in this space, is looking at a range of um, products as either barriers or attractants or even traps to try and uh, either capture these snails or prevent them moving or even draw them to the bait better. So there's a, it's a big space at the moment. Yeah, it sounds like it. What would you sort of summarise as current best practice baiting programs? What do they look like to you? Best baiting programs... Um, are done alongside things like stubble management and and potentially burning and um, planning um, uh, how you're going to manage your your cleaning your grain at the end. Um, baiting alone is is not something we should be relying on ever. You get a lot better control with things like rolling and bashing. Um, so baiting should primarily be a mop up operation at the end of your summer control options. Um, so. Baiting would be planned in advance, materials be there ready to go and growers keeping a, a very close eye on the weather, going out and each, even potentially at night and seeing what the snails are doing because our camera footage shows that snails are often moving on smaller dews than we would have expected. So going and having a look at them at night, see if they're moving um, and assuming you're not going to have a, a, you know, a stretch of 30 or 40 degree weather, you can actually get that get that bait out um, when the snails are moving, um, and really focusing on on getting the right number of baits on the ground, F- having a look at it in the days afterwards to see if you're actually knocking off the snails. Um, if you've knocked off snails and the baits are all gone and there's still snails, you may need to put out a second application. What are your key messages to growers on this topic? I guess the main things are to um, when it comes to baiting, really look at um, trying to maintain your bait in its best best possible state before you actually put it on the ground. So protecting it from the heat, um, looking at what conditions it's going to be exposed to on the ground um, and really um, checking how many baits are ending up on the ground after your your spread has gone through, um, making sure you're hitting that that magic number or going through with a follow-up application. Um, Also just um, being aware that we we are on the ball, we are trying to actually... um, work towards getting some really precise bait timing um, predictors for you Uh, so that will actually give you a a better idea on when to get that that bait out and you can plan for that um, as well to to some degree so being aware that that we are actually working on the um, the biological control uh, angle as well Um, and and fingers crossed that will actually turn out to be a, a real boon to managing the conical snail. That was Helen Brody, an entomologist with SADI talking about the latest research in snail management. The GRDC update paper referred to in this podcast can be found in the description box. More information on this topic can be found online at grdc.com.au. I'm Hilary Sims. Thanks for listening.